Welcome back to another episode of the Lost in Culture podcast hosted by me, Alex White. Um, This episode was recorded pre-shooting of Jacob Blake, who was shot seven times in the back by police with his kids watching. Um, Jacob is now paralyzed from the waist down. And I am tired. I am tired of seeing these families go through this. I am tired of being so angry. I am tired of not knowing what to do. I am tired of not understanding why this keeps happening. And um, it's just crazy to see the events taking place in the country and in Wisconsin and hearing these things being said in these press conferences and hearing these people have zero remorse or zero concern of our black lives. And um, it's just draining. It's draining. And uh, what a fight we are fighting. Shout out to the NBA for taking that stand. Shout out to the sports organizations that followed. Um, and it's it's just bigger than all of that right now. And I just hope everyone stays focused. I hope everyone knows that November is around the corner. And, um, and just to speak up. Speak up on what's wrong. Speak up on what's right. And uh, yeah, what a, what a fight. What a fight we have to fight, man. It, it's, it's ridiculous. But this episode was fitting. And uh, it was one of my most honest episodes I've had yet. Brandon came through and we spoke depression, mental health, suicidal thoughts, uh, all the very important things that we are scared to talk about or ashamed to talk about. We got right to it in this episode. Um, And it's very important at this time. You know, it's a very depressing time right now. There's a lot of sad, depressing things going on in this world. And it's okay to feel um, in such a way, but I got to be vulnerable and talk about some things that were tough to talk about on my end, but nonetheless felt good and was much needed. Um, shout out to Brandon, man, Brandon, I don't think you realize how much I absorbed and took in the things you were saying throughout our conversation. So thank you for coming. Thank you for your transparency. Thank you for being honest. Um, thank you for being open And I just hope you all can take something away, especially during these times, um, can take something away from this episode as I did. So enjoy listening. Justice for Jacob Blake. God was not done with you yet, sir, because man, did they try it. They tried it, but God was not done with you yet. Justice for Jacob Blake, arrested cops that killed Breonna Taylor, saved their names. Episode 34, let's get it. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Lost of Culture podcast. My name is Alex White. Thank you guys for rocking with me. All the love, support, feedback, everything you guys have given me thus far. I am not by myself. I am with Brandon. What's up, my guy? What's up, what's up? <laughs> it's good seeing you again. I, I had to put on my, my BH design hey, shirt. I, I appreciate it. I had it. to do it. I had to do it. I appreciate how, it. How's, how's BH designs going? How's that? To, how's that rocking? To be honest, like right now, it's kind of slow mm-hmm. just because I'm working crazy hours for right. the job I'm working based on my, my nine to five. But like mm-hmm. when I first started, it, it was pretty pretty successful like i was doing logos and videos all the time mm-hmm. um but right now like most of my clientele is like churches right, right they gone to right, pretty much all yeah, online yep, and like yeah. budgets are getting cut left mm-hmm. and right so mm-hmm. the the need for like graphics and videos and logos right. have kind of declined over right, the last couple right, months but you know there's been some some side things here and there it's been you know good but mm-hmm. trying to get back into it yeah. trying to redo yeah. the website a little bit and trying to get mm-hmm. some more uh, exactly. Some more clients out That's, there. I mean, it's with the quarantine happening. It's yeah. so crazy how much the world just did like a complete like mm-hmm. 
180 is like what do we do now type thing and especially like when you when you feel like you found your niche uh-huh. and then all of a sudden like it's like okay back to the freaking drawing board Exa- exactly <laughs> but you're in, i mean you're in steveville back and forth from steveville um how's quarantine over there are they like are they dude okay closed down <laughs> so the town itself is tiny so there's not right. much there right but Not like there's like a mixture of people who don't care at all mm-hmm. and they have like no mass or nothing then you have the like super <laughs> sensitive people who care about everything so like right now i'm working in a school right and all the teachers there are like super like i was walking around one day with no mask on just because i hadn't right. been for three months and i got so many bad looks like they were like super mad i was like okay whatever so i put it on just to like appease them and then you have people who literally like don't want to wear it at all so it's it's a mixture but they're still like half their fast food restaurants aren't even open other than the drive-through which makes it tough because there's not a lot of stuff to eat in stevenville at all yeah yeah that's straight college town oh yeah oh yeah now it's starting to get busy because all the kids are coming back right right. because they started classes i think today or oh they're they're there yeah they're there I can't wait to see how long this like back to school thing lasts. I give it a month. <laughs> for, for real. You're taking bets on this, yes. For real. I give it, yeah. I, I think I'll give it. Here, about here's the reason school. why Texas schools have started back up. It's because of football. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yep. Stevenville, yep. like they have nothing else other than their high school football team, and so you know that they're starting up for that. That's but you know, if one of those kids gets it, the whole school's gonna shut oh, down. Oh yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So I give it about a month. Man, Texas would sacrifice in all oh, yeah. the shit that they love. Um, but thank you for coming, Brandon. I'm so glad. No, you I appreciate came. it. Um, we were uh, talking about having the discussion on depression and yeah. mental health, etc. And especially during this time, I've heard from a plethora of my friends. Um, you know, oh my God, I'm going crazy staying in the house. Oh my God, I don't yeah. know what to do with myself. I, and all just just you know the the thing that you the things that you deal with when your world has to take a a, a turn mm-hmm. um and i've i've i wasn't really affected by it just because i've always been a homebody yeah like, i would go out i love to go out but i love being at home just as much so me seeing like damn you want to go out that bad like, yeah Damn, what's going? It like it, it opens your eyes up. Like, damn, like what's really going on mm-hmm. in, in others' lives? And For sure. Like, and like, why can't people? Why don't people want to be home and be by themselves? And yeah. It's simply because they, you get lonely, you get mm-hmm. depressed, you get. So in this time, in this time, I mean, I think this was a, a perfect time to talk about this. And then not only that, um, as as things are starting to open up and we're we're getting to the new normal, yeah, like adjusting. Uh, that can be a, uh, a struggle mm-hmm. and difficult for a lot of people as well. Um, th- this time in general, like people losing their jobs, yeah. and you know, like like you said, even with your even with your business, how you had to like take a step back and cool down off a little bit. That shit is depressing. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> that, like that shit is sad. So um, definitely, definitely glad we could bring this up today. But I just wanted to start off with just. Uh, just related a little bit and talking about um, you know some things how how we get through depression or uh, the type of stages of depression we've been yeah. through uh, and things like that just to really put on the table what direction we should go with this. Yeah. So what are some things like when when's the time or when's the time that you first experienced depression? 
you know, how was how did you know it was depression, and how did you, how do you really get through those feelings? Yeah. So honestly, like the first time that I actually believed that it was depression and not just like having a bad day or feeling off was uh, about almost about a year ago now. Um, but I mean, I dealt with it in like high school and, and in college and stuff like that, where I felt, you know, moments of not feeling right. Like something was off. Something was, that's something, a, that's a big word dealing with it. Like right, dealing yeah, with it. Yeah. Like, so like you is, have, when it's something so new to you, you have no idea how to handle it. You have no idea like what all these emotions that you're feeling in those stages is like, how do you, how do you handle that? How do you deal with that in a way that's not super weird? Or how do you have those right. conversations with people? Cause when you bring up right. depression, the flip switches 180 degrees exactly. with people in the conversations. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. like when I first started realizing like I was going through major depression about a year ago, I didn't know how to handle it. Like mm. I started collapsing on myself wow. in the sense of wow. like the things that I loved, I didn't want to do anymore. Right. The, the job that I was in, I wanted to get out of it as fast as possible. Like there's just things that in my life that were so constant mm. that became such a negative influence, not in the sense of like bad, but just like, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be right. around it. Like right. I just didn't want to have people in my life. Like I didn't want, I just wanted to be alone, which is like the worst thing to do when mm -hmm. you're dealing with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but you don't know that you don't exactly. know that. Yeah. You don't know until life. you're out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is like, until you get out of that stage, you don't realize the damage that you've gone through mm -hmm. in that stage. Mm -hmm. So like when I first started dealing with it, I was like, man, something is really off. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but I got to figure out what's going on. And I can't do this just by myself. Like I can't just say, all right, I have this person, this person, this person to talk to. Mm -hmm. I need professional help. Right. And so like that was the hardest thing to admit, not just like to other people, to myself. I was like, Yo, dude, something's wrong with you. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, some, hey, something's you don't not. See, you don't want to call yourself crazy. No. But you don't know what to call yourself because you 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 just know that something isn't right. Exactly. And so, like, that was, like, the realest moment for me was, like, all right, something's not right. Right. And you got to fix it because if not, things are just going to get worse. Mm -hmm. And so, that's when I realized, all right, you need to go see a counselor. Mm. Um, and that was, like, the hardest thing for me to admit because I've always grown up in the way that I've always presented myself to people like in high school right. and college was like, right. I had everything together mm. and I just on the, on yep. the surface, everything looked fine. Even if it wasn't that bad, like everything seemed fine. And so like I had people I was walking through life with that was super, that knew a lot of things that people still don't know about. Mm -hmm. And they didn't even know that I was dealing with that side of things. Mm -hmm. And so I finally was like, all right, I need to go see a counselor. And that was honestly, the reason I'm here today is because my counselor, mm. like no joke that, mm. that was life changing to me. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I tell every, every person that you should see a counselor at some point in your life. Cause yeah. there's, yeah. there's yeah. some, there's some deep wounds that happen in your life that you don't even realize. You don't even know until you get in front of somebody and there's, it just comes out your mouth and you're like, oh my mm -hmm. gosh, I, I, I was the same way uh, the first time I went to therapy. And my very first session, I mouthed off so much. Like, I scheduled um, for a session a month, just one session a mm -hmm. month. And I just rambled. Like, she asked me one question. I think she asked me, like, you know, why are you here or something like yeah. that. And I just gave her, like, yeah. everything all at once. Yeah. And then at the end of the session, she was like, okay, maybe we should do, like, two times a month. <laughs> yeah. like, 
Because it's like you don't even know until like you get it out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing. We blanket it so much, especially like when you said, um, you know, the people around you, you you, uh, you made it seem like you had it together. Yeah. Like you made it seem like you were so put together. And that is like me 100%. Like I will never show my emotion. I will never make it seem like I'm in this like just low state. Mm-hmm. Like I always try to keep my energy because as soon as my energy slips just a little below Alex level, it's 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 almost like a, a rush of well, you, you, why are you acting like that? Well, exactly. Yeah. And then you don't know how to answer that. Yeah. You don't know how to answer it because it's like, well, do you really want to know? Because you're asking me aggressively, first of all. Like you're asking yeah. me like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Like, and it's like, I, I don't know how to answer you because I don't know how you're going to accept what I'm about to say. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I think depression for me, I, I from as, as young as I can remember, I would say it probably kicked in uh, when I moved to Texas. Like, I didn't realize it was depression then. Yeah. Because I think there's a, there's a, um, a confusion between sadness and depression. Oh yeah. Because you think you're just sad. Mm-hmm. You're like, damn, I'm I'm sad. Like I'm having a sad <laughs> ass day. Let me go do something to make me happy. Yeah. And then that's where you know other factors come in with dealing with depression coming. But I want to get into that later. Um, you 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 feel like you're just sad. Mm-hmm. But as I as after I went to therapy, I realized I was depressed all those times. Yeah. And. I think it. my mindset, it was just like, I can't be, there's no way I'm this sad. Like, there's no mm-hmm. way, like, I'm this depressed because of the, the high energy that I bring, because of the people around me, because of the people person that I am. Like, mm-hmm. I can't feel this way. Yeah. So, when I, when I am depressed and when I am feeling sad, I resort to things that would make me higher level and make me happy yeah. and just completely forget about any feelings that I have going on inside. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what majority of what every, everyone that goes through depression uh, does is just try to blanket the whole thing. And it's like, when do we normalize it just being a normal conversation? Like when you, when I ask you, you know, Hey, how are you? When is it normal to be like, Give me everything you got and yeah. let's be there for each other. Yeah, and the thing with like putting on the blank, like the blank face or looking like everything, everything together, all it's doing is making it worse and worse for when you're mm-hmm. alone, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're around the people that love you and care for you and know you, and you can't even be real and honest with them, mm-hmm. and then you're trying to suppress all of that, you're feeling like you're just feeling so bad about yourself, mm-hmm. and you're trying to make it seem like you have it together. Mm-hmm. When you're by yourself, it makes it that much worse. Yeah. And it makes yeah. it that much harder because right. you're you are your biggest critic. Mm-hmm. So when you're going through stuff that's really tough. You know what you're going exactly. through. Exactly. Like, yeah. You know. And so it just makes it super hard. That's why the conversation of depression is not an easy one. Mm-hmm. But it's conversations that have to be done and have right, to have right. inside certain cer- certain circles like i don't just talk to anybody and everybody about mm-hmm. my deep depressions that i've gone through mm-hmm. have i talked about my depression more lately absolutely because i think we should mm-hmm. but i haven't really dived into the deep details of certain things because it's not for everyone right and because not everyone's going to handle it the way that exactly. they should because exactly. as soon as you say i'm depressed or that i'm suicidal oh dude it's it like- 
It changes everything. Yeah, yeah. It's like the perception is, oh my gosh, they're crazy. Like what? But it's like it, 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 it's it's kind of messed up because it's like you know people go through this. Like yeah, people go through it. It's a, it's just it's it's a feeling. It happens. People just deal with it in different ways, mm-hmm. and people don't know that they have it. Yeah. a lot of the times, people don't know that they're depressed. So it's like, how can you judge and how can you, like, how can you have this perception of me when all I'm, when all I'm doing is telling you how I feel? Yeah. And then I think that's where being scared comes in is just, I'm scared to talk about how I feel because I'm scared of people's reaction Mm -hmm. to this. So it's like, how, like... What needs to happen in order for this to become more spoken on, more drawn to? Because I do, I do feel like I do feel like in, in this generation, mental health is being talked about more. For sure, for sure. And but at, but at the same time, there's there I still I still feel like there's a lot of distraction when it comes mm-hmm. to it. There's a lot of. Um, kind of brush it under the rug type thing when it comes yeah. to it. And mainly mainly just because like that's the way that we were taught. Mm. Right? Like our our parents and our grandparents never truly showed who they were mm. because they thought that if hiding what they were going through was better for us in the long run mm-hmm. is what we automatically know and believe. When in reality, I think most of us would would be better off dealing with what we deal with if we saw what our parents actually were going through, mm. right? We don't learn about the struggles that our parents go through until we're adults, right? And like, like, dang, you were going through that while I was asking for everything in the world because I'm right. a child, right? And obviously, right. we don't want to tell every detail to our kids and mm-hmm. and things like that. But at the same time, like, mm-hmm. as we are growing older, like if I was when I was in high school, I should have been able to realize some of the struggles that my parents went through Mm -hmm. and some of the things that they were going through both mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever they were going through. Like I should be able to understand that. And I think as long, as long as we keep prolonging that conversation later on in life, it's going to make it harder and harder for each generation to talk about it. Mm -hmm. When when that comes into, I guess when, when generation wise, I a hundred percent, a hundred percent agree with you on that. Like, my parents were aren't open at all. Like I don't, I didn't realize the things my mom and my dad had to go through until I got to this age yeah. now. So, I think like this, I I speak on our generation so much because I feel like we're such we're we're the biggest switch mm-hmm. right now when it comes to the generation under us and the generation above us because we can we control a lot. I feel like if we started having the conversation of being, it's okay yeah. to talk about this. It's okay to tell me like how you're feeling. It's okay to put it out there. If we start having those conversations more, it'll be a generation thing. Just yeah. like how our parents were so quiet. If we are loud, then I feel like the generation under us will be loud. And I think all generational things are, it's, it's a learning. It's a learning curve. Yeah. It's a learning from, you know, okay, my mom didn't do this, so let me do this with the kids mm-hmm. under me and teach them that. But um, as far as, like, escape windows, like, when it comes to depression, yeah, I feel like that's where it gets evil and it gets dark and mm-hmm. it gets, like, 
hard to talk about because of what you do when you're depressed. Yeah. Like the things that your mind thinks about when you're depressed. Yeah. And it's almost embarrassing. It's almost like you don't even want to talk about the things that you do or the things that you think about mm-hmm. when you are in a state like that. Um, but it's important to talk about. Yeah. I feel like I feel like there should be different escape routes when it comes to depression. Like I feel like people people say you know um, smoking helps me when I'm depressed. I'm one of those. Smoking helps me when I'm depressed. Like, yeah. but it should be like another outlet. As far as like dealing with depression, Mm -hmm. like what are some ways talking to a counselor, speaking to a therapist, what are some other ways that you think can cope with depression or uh, having mental health issues, etc.? Yeah. So first of all, you have to know what are some things that kind of trigger you to get you into that state, right? Mm -hmm. So there could be conversations with certain people that have a very large impact in your life and if it goes negative obviously going to take it you in a negative space um but for things that i try to personally that i try to do like when i'm struggling with depression i try to do things that are going to push me outside of my comfort zone right so if i'm if i'm dealing with depression i don't want to be around people so i go to the gym where there's everybody there right and i have to i can get out all the crap that's built inside of me by doing ways that I cannot do, right? So exactly. like you, you exactly. see, you see this guy walking in, going to try to do a bench press with too much weight. But for me, that's getting out all the built up anger mm. or built up feelings that I have. Mm. And so like running, exercising for me is mm. huge. Um, trying to read, to be honest, is like getting my mind out of mm-hmm. this reality mm-hmm. in the sense of immerse myself in whatever story i'm reading right right? so if i'm reading a harry potter book i'm not worrying about the outside things that i'm struggling with i'm worrying about what's going on in this book Mm -hmm. um and so i just try to find things that normally bring me joy Mm -hmm. um it could be hanging out with friends it could be playing basketball which i don't do very often anymore but it could be those type of things you have to figure out for you because it's not it's not a cookie cutter thing like not every person what do you you like exactly what, what brings you happiness in a positive way yeah. that you can do to keep your mind, keep your gears going. Yeah, because it's not going to be the same thing for everyone. Because right. like for me, that's works for me because right. I know me. Mm-hmm. And but it's not going to be the same thing for you or the next person. Right. It's just you have to figure it out. And it takes time. Like you're not going to figure it out right away. Like mm-hmm. I didn't figure out some of myself until I talked to my counselor. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't figure out some things that were trigger points until I talked to my counselor. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think you can't just say man, I'm depressed mm-hmm. and I need to do these things. Like, I personally think that you should go seek medical mm-hmm. professionals who understand and know that that space way more than we can comprehend. And so like, for me, I had to say, all right, I need to go to a counselor and figure out, okay, what would he recommend mm-hmm. or say to me that could help me? And he was like, write down soul wounds, which is basically like, what are things that you didn't realize hurt you that are still hurting you today? Mm-hmm. Like there are some some things that happen like in do you junior journal? high. Do you journal? Like? Yeah, I try to. Mm-hmm. So I try to I try to journal at least you know daily, um, if not every other day. Just like mm-hmm. basically writing down what happened that day, mm-hmm. just kind of a recap of what's going on. And if there's some things that I'm struggling with, I I write it down. Right. And so I've kept some, and there's some that are just really. I was in really dark spaces when I wrote them, mm-hmm. and it's 
very negative view of myself that I can't even open those journals anymore. Mm. Like I, it's to the point where I need to burn them just because reading them can trigger me back into those spaces of like, how can you allow yourself to talk about yourself this way? Or why would you even think this way about yourself? And so journaling has been huge for me. Um, Music has been huge in the sense of just like being able to find something that fits whatever mood I'm in or get me out of the mood I'm in. Like if I'm, if I'm struggling with depression, I'm not going to go listen to some sad song. Exactly. Exactly. Like I need to find something. The crazy thing is, it's like, Cause, cause I'll feel that same way. I feel that exact same way too. But then it's sometimes where it's just like you want to be that sad. Yeah. And I'm like, how does that even work? Like, why do I want to be? Mm-hmm. Like, why do I want to keep crying? Why do I want to put on this sad ass shit all around me and and just have like the worst day ever? Like, I don't like when it gets to that point. Then that's where I'm like, okay, something's like, not right. I'm, I'm deep. I'm yeah. deep in it now. And it's it's hard to crawl out of it, but I mean, yeah, you just have to find that niche, find whatever makes you happy in that positive sense that just keeps you intact. Yeah. But it, like, as far as like, um, as far as like how it affects the people around you, like, has has your family ever like pointed it out before you can realize it? Has has it ever been a case where like your friend is like any friends is like, dude, like. What's wrong with you, bro? Like, Like in college, there was a couple times where I had friends, like, I'd have a week stretch of just not being me. And they would say, what's wrong with you? And, like, at the time, I I had no idea. And sometimes, like, my my parents would notice something's off, Mm. but they would never directly ask me Mm. that question, Mm. right? Because I don't think they they wanted to ask me because... The, it's like you don't want to ask sometimes. And here's and here's the thing. Sometimes we are we think if we ask the question, we're implanting in their head that they're dealing with that. And so that was a thing for me where my family didn't really want to bring up the conversation, not because of anything other than, you know, they didn't want to make it seem like something was wrong. Right, right, but right. Really there were thing a lot of things that were wrong. Right, right. So how does that like with with the with the family thing, yeah. When you when you started going uh, going to your counselor, did you communicate that with them, or how does how did that communication go as far as um, letting your family know, like, hey, you know, I'm not right, I don't feel right. Yeah, that was uh, that was tough because I I kind of texted both my my dad and my stepmom, and then my mom, and my stepdad, mm-hmm. and was like, hey, like this is something that I need to do, and. You know, thankfully, my family's been super supportive. Like, right. everyone in my family has been 100% like for me getting the help that I need. And so, yeah. that conversation wasn't that hard. Mm. It was the conversations that followed mm. in the sense of, like, okay, how deep in this are you? Mm. Are you just, you know, mildly depressed or whatever? Or, like, are you struggling with suicide? Was it easier before you get into that question? Because I yeah. didn't talk about that. Was it easier for you to answer it at that point when they asked you when they asked you directly, you know, how depressed are you? Was it easier for you to open up? After my first two counseling sessions, because I went every week, because mm-hmm. I was like, man, oh yeah, you, I need. I was at that point. I I needed to go because I had right. years and years of things built up in me right. that I had to get it out. And so, like you said, where you just don't even realize that you're talking for that long, like right. I couldn't do just a month. Mm-hmm. Like I had to do every week yeah. this time, yeah. and that was more for me because then I couldn't run away from it. 
Right. That right. day, every single time, if I didn't make it, my counselor sent me an email like, hey, are you okay? Yes. Yep. And yep. so that was beneficial. And so the conversations after my first two counseling sessions changed. Like mm-hmm. before I started going to counseling and I told him I needed to go, it was still pretty tough to like talk about it mm-hmm. just because like it's a new reality for me. Right. It's something right. totally new. Right. And then after I started going to counseling, it made things easier and easier and easier because I was already pouring everything out to my counselor with no fears of it getting back to my church, getting right. back to my family. Yep. Yep. I could be totally honest with him, with him about it. Mm-hmm. And so that made it to where if I didn't want to tell my family every single detail, I was okay because I wasn't holding, wasn't it, holding in. it in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Some Somebody knew. And if it was that serious to where I was life-threatening to myself or something like that, mm-hmm. he would have told somebody. Right. Okay. And so it was never to that point. And so that's where it just made the conversation so much easier because I had it all out on the table with somebody that I trusted. Right. And so then when I talked to my family about it, it made it that much easier. Right, right, right. I think that's another hard thing is when it comes to your family, just opening up, just opening up yeah. and being honest about how you feel. Because again, you don't even know how they are going to react as well. Like, yeah. It, it's so crazy how it's just hard to talk about feelings, like mm-hmm. it's how it, how it's so hard to just tell people how you feel, especially even your loved ones. Yeah. Um. But as far as suicidal thoughts, have you ever gone down down that path? Has it ever gotten dark? Like, yeah. 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 So, right around the end of October of last year, is when things were getting like really bad. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, never. Never, never thought I would actually get to that point, right? Because you, you know, you, yeah, yeah. you hear about it all the time, but like you never think it's gonna be you. Mm-hmm. And it it gotten really to the point where I just didn't like myself. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't when I was going to my job, I hated it mm-hmm. because I didn't like me. I hated myself, and so like I would journal just about how much I sucked mm-hmm. or how much how much I thought I was just an awful person, mm-hmm. and. It got to a point where at one point, like I had a, a note written out for my family and everything. Like I was mm. to the point where I just, I didn't feel like I was worth it. Right. Right. Cause like right. I was getting to a point where I was saying to myself, is your life really worth anything? Mm. And that's a scary conversation to have with yourself because you don't want to know the answer on the other side in those, in those stages. But at that point I was like, no, mm-hmm. I guess it's not worth anything at this moment. Mm. So who cares? Mm. And it's, and I hate saying this word because I understand and know where people feel, mm-hmm. but it's a very selfish viewpoint in the sense of you are saying that your life isn't worth anything, but you have people in your life who are saying that your life is worth everything, mm-hmm. right? And so the suicidal stuff was was hard to talk about. Mm-hmm. And like I was at a point where I had typed out a note and... I was like, I was in my office at my church when I started typing out this note mm. and I was like, okay, I can't do this here. Not at the church. I can't do this here. Yeah. And so like I left and I just went, I think I ended up going to the mall just to like walk around just to get out of there. Um, and I started to continue typing out this note, just like basically saying goodbye to people. Mm. And that was like the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life because at that point it gets real. Right. It's no longer this idea right. that, okay, I could maybe die. Yeah. It's, it's, it's at this point where 
I don't want to be alive. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to be here. And I'm about to say goodbye to my family. Right, right. And that was extremely hard to do. Mm. And that, honestly, after I'd gotten out of that and I told my family, I had wrote this letter or this note like on a Thursday morning, immediately was like just feeling awful. Mm-hmm. Email my accounts like, hey, I need to have an immediate like mm-hmm. emergency session type of thing. Because I hadn't told him that I was struggling right, that right. deep with suicide. Right, right. Like, I told him I had suicidal thoughts, but not to that level. Yeah, that you, yeah you, it's in your head. Like, exactly. You know. yeah. yeah. And so, but he couldn't meet until Monday. I was like, this, mm-hmm. I can't wait till Monday. Like, it's just literally, I cannot wait. Mm-hmm. And so, I finally was like, all right, I can't, I can't do this. And so, like, I told my family that, I told my dad and my stepmom on Friday night, you know, just ball my eyes out in their bed just because mm-hmm. I'm I'm ashamed that I got to that point. Yes. And yes, then yes. I'm also worried like how are they gonna react? Yes. And then like I'm telling my my mom, my stepdad, and like the first thing my mom says like just please don't hurt yourself. Mm. And like that's so hard and, and to have a conversation with your mom. Mm-hmm. Right? She's bawling her eyes out mm-hmm. thinking of something that could happen to her child. And that was like the hardest thing mm-hmm. was not even that like I wrote the letter or that I was even to that point, but like you see the reaction from your family. Mm. That's tough. Mm. That's super hard. Mm. Um, and honestly, that was probably the hardest thing between that. And then when I left my church, that was those two days um, were probably the hardest things ever when it mm. came to dealing with like with, with my suicidal thoughts and depression. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 deep. I think I I relate to it, relate a lot on that on a lot of the things you said. Just because I've been I've been there uh, multiple times. Like it wasn't just one time for me. Like it's been a plethora of times where I've thought about just not being here. Yeah. And um, you know, it just like you said, it's like how do I talk about this without feeling ashamed? Mm-hmm. Because I, I, and I honestly do feel like, like, I feel like I don't belong here. Like, mm-hmm. I do not want to be here. I don't feel like I'm wanted enough to be here. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm worthy enough to be here. But how do I say that to people who are telling me otherwise? And then the hardest, the other hard part with that is if you say, like, you don't feel wanted or needed, mm-hmm. then it, almost puts pressure on the people in your life right. because they think, okay, what can I do better? Right. And honestly, like when I first told people that I was struggling with that, I didn't want them to do more. Like I, I don't get yeah, right. That's don't, I don't need you asking for more. Exactly. I don't need I'm, you just to like jump through hoops for me. Right. I just need you to be there. I just need you to be there. Yeah. And I'm that's, not, I'm not asking for the checking on me every single day and calling me every single day. I'm not asking for that. Um, at least like there's a void missing that I need filled. Yeah. And I just need you there. Yeah. Like I don't need you to be like present, but I need to, to know be available. That, yeah. I need to know that you're there. Yeah. And I feel like just like we were saying earlier, it's so hard to talk about feelings when you feel like someone isn't there, mm-hmm. then it's easy to get lonely and be like, well, what am I, what, what am I doing here? Yeah. And it's hard. And, and, that's where it gets really hard because it's not. It's like now you're battling the family side of things, and then how you really truly feel. Yeah. And for me, it was it was super tough for me because my family was the complete opposite of yours. Mine was they thought this shit was a joke. 
Like when I finally got to the point, first it it just like I said, I've I've had that feeling multiple times. So when I finally yoked up the courage to say something, or I think it maybe actually uh, slipped out when me and my mom got into like a super intense argument. Yeah. And I was like, I'm gonna go fucking kill myself, and like, but I was like serious. Yeah. And I think she was like, Hey, you ain't gonna go, you ain't gonna do that, you ain't gonna go do that, and it, and it was like kind of like a brush off. Mm-hmm. So you know, at at that point, you're now I'm thinking, okay, oh now, now you really think this is a game, like yeah. this is a joke to you, and. It's and and I think what what prevented me from from committing is I was just scared. I didn't. I I was scared to hurt myself. Yeah. I wasn't scared of being gone. I wasn't. I I was being selfish. Yeah. Like like just like you were saying, it is it is a selfish thought. It I I hundred percent agree with that because it is selfish to a certain extent. Yeah. To a certain extent. Um. And I, w- I wasn't thinking about, uh, you know, who who wanted me here mm-hmm. and 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 how I can really get out of this and who I need to go talk to. I just wanted it over with. Yeah. And the only thing that stopped me was I was just too scared to hurt myself. And I think that's when I came to a conclusion where I was like, okay, I can't walk around feeling like this, like feeling this such a pain inside of me to the point where I just don't feel like walking around on this earth anymore. Yeah. And that's when I took that step to go to therapy. And, um, and it was, and it it was tough. It was tough. But once I got it out, it, it felt, it felt better. It just felt better just to get out and just like, it just say and be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. I think that's another thing when it comes to saying our feelings, I think, we think a lot of people won't take us seriously. Um, a lot of people uh, say that you're crying for help a lot. Yeah. Saying you, you're using it as a crutch, using yeah. it as an excuse. And that's where it gets really hard to talk about mental health and depression because it's like, when do you know or how do you know when someone is taking it seriously, when they really want to change and when they honestly feel that way but it's like it's like you really can't pass any judgment because you don't know exactly you honestly don't know so it's like you can't sit there and say oh they're just faking it or they 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 can't feel that way mm-hmm. they have x y and z going on in their life they're they're, they're instagram she's she's out every day having fun there's no way that she feels like this yeah like and I, and i think it's like it's it's that's why i get so i get so conflicted with social media because it is it, it's it can it can it can be an escape route, but it can also be like a. It can put this image in your own head mm-hmm. that you're really not like, yeah. and now you're thinking in your own head, I need to be like this. When it's like, mm-hmm. no, and you're gonna drive yourself crazy trying to be like X, Y, and Z yeah. on the internet. Drive yourself a complete fool, and you don't even like. That's not even who you are. That has been the biggest thing for me. Is like I, to a certain extent, have stopped caring what people think. Mm. I'm such a mm. people pleaser. I know that I am. Mm. Right? It's just in my DNA. Mm. I don't want people mad at me. I'm not I'm, that. I'm, I'm that, not that type of person. I hate conflict. That's like me. I'm just about. I want things to be good, and mm-hmm. so I would change myself, mm-hmm. or do certain things to please others, mm. or make sure that they were happy with me. Mm. And now I've gotten to the point where. 
to certain things, I just don't care. Mm. Like I'm fine with me being me. So like if I post 17 gym selfies, I don't care who likes them, who or who. You're gonna see all 17 of ex- these joints. Exactly, because I'm confident in who I am now. Mm. Right? Because like mm. back back you know, a year ago when I posted mm. things, I was trying to get validation from every other person mm. because I was trying to fit this mold that honestly wasn't realistic for me. Mm-hmm. And so now I am super comfortable with who I am. So if I want to post these things, mm-hmm. I'm not going to worry about if someone doesn't like it. Or if right. I want to get certain tattoos, I'm not going to be worrying about if someone down the street doesn't agree with what I'm getting on my body. Exactly. And so exactly. it's just changed a ton over the last year of like, I'm comfortable with who I am now. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really care if you like it or not, because I like who I am. That's amazing that you got to that point because I'm in the middle of that. Like I'm in the middle of just trying to be happy with myself. Yeah. Like a hundred percent happy with who I am. I'm not going to go out to try out my way to try to please you. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I, I was a hundred percent. I am a hundred percent the same way you were. Yeah. Like, I like I want to make sure everyone's happy. I want to make sure everyone's good. I want to make sure I'm a good friend here, 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 here. I want to make sure everything, all bases are covered. Yep. And it's so dragging. Like it's exhausting. It it it, 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 dra- it drains the shit out of me. Like I cannot tell you how draining that is. And I think what made me realize why I need to take a step back in that is uh, I actually watched a sermon and. Um, the pastor was just talking about um, just starting from your core, mm-hmm. like just starting from your core and working your way around that. Like, make sure you're true and honest with yourself before mm-hmm. you try to do or change anything. And I, it's a when you go from being a people pleaser to just trying to worry about yourself yeah it's it's so hard hard. it's so hard it's so hard because it's like my heart is so big i wear my heart on my sleeve it's who i am Mm -hmm. so for me to be selfish quote unquote in a way it's hard for me it's like i have to put i do have to put myself first i do have to love me first and in finding myself you realize that you need to back off a lot of things. Yeah. And when you have to do that, you have to back off certain relationships. You have to back off certain opportunities. Like, you have to back off your environment Mm -hmm. that's damaging you when you're realizing who you truly are. Yeah. So, in the midst of that, your friends get lost Mm -hmm. and they don't understand. And, you know, your environment changes and you don't really understand. And I think that's the hardest part for me is me being fearful of the of the people that I love, their minds changing yeah. of, of who I am. Because they don't understand that mm-hmm. it's for me. They consider it acting different or something's wrong with me. Yeah. Or um I don't wanna talk to them. Like it's 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 hard. I don't want I don't want people I don't want the people I love to feel that way. Yeah. So it's tough. It's it's tough for me to just be like, okay, you have to just do this for yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't keep being that one, that one tool for everyone. It was the that was super hard for me when I was leaving my church um, because I'd been there for three and a half years. I built up so many relationships mm-hmm. that, and I grew up there, so that everyone knew me and they knew who I was 
on the surface, right? They knew the person that I was on Sundays and Wednesdays and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the hardest thing because I didn't want to make them think that a sermon that I preached or an event that I put together for our students was fake or that like, me during that three and a half years was fake. That's not the case. I was just so worried about making sure that everybody else was happy, that everyone else was content and filled and, you know, getting everything that they needed out of church that I wasn't getting anything. Like I was so empty to the point where I just had nothing left to give. And so that's why like some people will ask me like, well, why did you leave the church? That's, that's the reason. Like you can't give out of an empty cup. So if, if I am literally at the bottom of, of my cup, I have nothing else to give, how how in the world am I going to be with my students the way that they need to be done? Right, like how, right. how am I going to minister to them in a way that's beneficial? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so it just was a point to where I had to make the decision. And it was hard because it's a, a place I grew up. I have family that works there. I have family that goes there. Mm-hmm. And it makes it to where it's a hard decision. But if I had stayed there, I'm not only damaging the church, I'm damaging myself. Right. Because, and I I don't ever tell people like the church was the reason why I was dealing with depression. No, I was dealing with depression, but the church wasn't really helping me at the time. Right. Like the place that was supposed to be helping me the most wasn't Wasn't, because I wasn't in a place where I could just go. Mm. When you're a, when you're a pastor and you're a youth pastor, regardless of what background you come from, mm-hmm. there's a certain standard that you have to live up to. I was going to say that. Like, there's always eyes watching. Exactly. So you have to look a certain way mm-hmm. and you have to present yourself in a certain way that is comfortable for everybody. Mm-hmm. In the sense, like, everyone is okay with this. Mm-hmm. And so that was extremely tough to deal with because I knew that I was struggling with depression. I knew that I was dealing with suicidal thoughts, mm. but how in the world can I have that conversation with my church? Mm. When this idea of depression and suicide in the church is kind of taboo, mm-hmm. right? You don't hear many sermon series on how do you deal with depression right. because you don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. You don't mm. want a visitor coming in saying, there's like two things that visitors want to hear about money or de- like suicidal thoughts and depression. Mm-hmm. And so that was really hard to make that decision. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like through my counselor and talking with my family, that was what we saw was like the thing that I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And it was tough because mm-hmm. you go to college for it. Like you right. feel like it's what God's called you to do. Mm-hmm. But in order for me to be alive, this is what I need to do. Right. And like, I've never given up on the fact that I could potentially go back to the church. Mm-hmm. But right now, I think going back into a pastoral position, I can't do it. Do you feel like it's like just a lot of pressure? Like, oh, yeah. It's just like, and, and that's another thing. Like when you're dealing with like work and you're like your day to day lifestyle. You don't realize how much of an effect it has on like your mental because it's so routine. Yeah. Like like it's so routine. Like I'm sure you've been going to that church, like you said, however many, however long. How do you 
get used to saying I don't want to be here? Like, how do you like make it normal saying I don't want to go? It's like it's not when it's, when it's, <laughs> yeah. such, when it's such a normal routine. Yeah, it's it's really tough, so, honestly. Like, how how long how long did it take you to really realize or to get to that point where you're comfortable? You're 100 percent yourself. Like you're you. I would say probably eight to nine months like mm-hmm. after I left the church. I mean, I'm getting to that. I'm not even at 100% right now. Like I still have some insecurities just because that's life. Yeah, yeah. But I've gotten a long, a long way from where I once was to where I am now mm-hmm. in the sense of like I'm secure in who I am and what I can do and, and things like that. Um, so it, But it's, it's a long process. Like for anyone that thinks and says that you can just change overnight, it's just mm-hmm. – it's it's not the case. Not I mean, it, it's been, you know, sleepless nights, mm-hmm. days of crying and being honest with people who you don't want to be honest mm-hmm. with and you're just having conversations. So it's it's a long process. I mean, right. you, I literally went from serving in a church, working with teenagers, loving it, mm-hmm. to then unemployed for a month mm-hmm. and then substituting out of high school, mm-hmm. driving Uber on the side. Mm-hmm. And it's just there's so much change that happens, mm-hmm. and it's all that affects everything. Like mm-hmm. you, you go from one situation to another. Change is something that. How do, how do you maintain your mental through all that change? Like, how do you really stay sane? Yeah, so it's tough, honestly. Like, but I go back to what my counselor talks about a lot of times, um, especially when I was deep in depression and suicidal thoughts. He had this thing, maybe do this thing that was monumental. In the sense of like, I broke down in his office, just bawling my eyes out because it was so powerful. He, one of the last times that I was really struggling with with suicide, I just moved out of my apartment back into my mom and stepdad's house, which was huge for me. Right, I go from being very independent to having to move back home. Yep, that's always that's always a jump. I've been there, and so that was extremely tough on me. And then like I'm. My room is just crazy having to get things ready. And then I'm preaching the next morning. Like, how am I going to battle through all these emotions that I'm dealing with and then preach? And so, like, I was just ready to give up. And so when I met with him the next uh, Monday and talking about it, and he, he had me close my eyes. And I remember to this day, he's like, okay, where are you at in your room? Mm-hmm. And I told him exactly where I was and the position that I was in, the things I was dealing with. And he's like, do you see Jesus in the room? Cause he was, he was a biblical counselor. That's where I went. Mm-hmm. And he's like, do you see Jesus in the room? And so I'm in that space and, and I can see Jesus in the room with me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what is he doing? And I'm just like holding back tears. I'm trying not to be like emotional, yeah, but yeah, at the same yeah, time, yeah, yeah, yeah. like it, it was mm-hmm. so powerful. Man. And all I, all I said was like, his arms are open. And so, like, anytime I get back in those stages or in, this, in those places where I'm really struggling, I go back and, like, okay, where's Jesus in the room right now? Mm. I know for some people that may sound really crazy and weird, but when you grew up in the church and and I'm, I fully believe the gospel, I fully believe what the church stands for, I, I have some things that I struggle with with the church, the universal church, just because of some things that I think that we don't deal with correctly. I think mental health and suicide and depression is one of them. Mm. Honestly, I think every church should have in their budget for their pastors to go to counseling. Mm. Um, but 
I still 100% believe that and have those convictions. And so some people don't may not agree with that and that may not work for them. Honestly, I for me, I am 100% on your page. Like I want to try that right now. It's <laughs> It's it's honestly Oh my god. It was a game that changer. That gave me chills cuz I can I, I I hear what you're saying. Like and so like and so, and so he's like okay his arms are open what is he saying mm-hmm. and I just said he wants me to come to him and it's and it reminds me of the prodigal son parable in the sense of the son is going crazy he wants to live his life he's doing all these other things and he's at his lowest rock bottom point mm-hmm. and he has to go back to his family and he's expecting for his family to disown him to not embrace him and all that dad does is run to him, embraces him. Mm. And that's exactly what God does for us yep. in the sense of what Jesus has done on the cross. And so anytime I'm in those places where I'm struggling, where I don't want to be here, I think about even if my family, which is not true, even if my family doesn't want me here, I, they want me here. But if, if my mind wants to believe that, right, 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 right. that no one else wants me here, I can always fall back on that there's someone who died for me to be here mm. Mm. and so like i have tattoos um i have an anchor on my side that says hope yeah i got an anchor i got me a cross i have <laughs> i have a cross that's made out of the three the three nails uh with the date that i got saved i have it is finished on my wrists and those are reminders for me right. when i'm in those places 100%. that i can fall back on my faith and I know some people have really issues with Christianity, and I understand because there's been some hurts mm-hmm. for people in the church. But for me, it's been the reason why I'm here. For sure, a hundred percent, one thousand percent, one thousand percent. I think when I was at my lowest, lowest, lowest point, that's when I always, always knew who Jesus was. I always was a believer. Um, I always believed in God. Always, but you don't start your walk until you start your walk. Yeah, and um. It's not until you get to that point. It's not until you're ready to call on Jesus and be like, I need you here. Like, yeah. I need you until you realize who he is. And um, at one of my lowest, lowest, lowest points, I turned to him. And that's where I started my walk. My walk and I haven't looked back since. And I a thousand percent agree with what you're saying. Like, um, you know, when, when you think there's no one there, mm-hmm. there's someone who died for your there's a purpose that you're supposed to have here. Yeah. And I think that that's another thing that really kept me afloat is knowing that I'm, I'm here for a reason, regardless what anyone says, my mm-hmm. family, myself, anyone says like, I am here for a purpose. Like regardless of what I did in my past of what I'm doing right now, yeah. there's something in me that, that is, is supposed to come alive. Mm-hmm. Like, like I am not done yet. Yeah. And that was a big part for me because, like I said, my family kind of just thought it was a joke. Like, they don't, like, in a black community, mental health, depression isn't taken serious at all. Mm-hmm. So that's why it was super hard for me just because off of the, the our community alone doesn't accept that. Yeah. It's becoming much more accepting now, but definitely growing up as a kid, absolutely not. So when you realize that... Um, you know you are here for a reason it 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 gives you some type of okay let yeah. me let me shake out of this somehow and um and and live for better like you have to want better i feel like in order to really get out of that mind state not saying because i think 
people think depression just goes away mm-hmm. and it's like you can't control it you yeah. can't you can't because i i mean to this day like it's days where i'm just like whoa i woke up so depressed like oh my gosh and you just have to figure out your day and i think that's that's just the hardest part is getting through the day yeah without falling making your mind believe that you're in that you're this person that you think you are yeah and the thing with people where people think that it just goes away the the one of the things that i've been trying to help for myself is like i never say i'm depressed mm. and this came from my counselor mm. um i always say that i'm battling depression mm-hmm. because if I say that I'm depressed and I'm already saying that I am stuck in this place, I can't get out. Mm. When we have the flu, we don't say I am flu, right? We don't, we don't say I that. I am flu. Exactly. <laughs> we say I have the flu. Right. Like I have this sickness right. that can be cured. Mm. And I may never get rid of my suicidal thoughts or depression on this side of heaven. Like mm. it just may be something I have to battle mm-hmm. every single day for the rest of my life. But if I already say in the day, you're depressed mm. or I am depressed. I'm setting myself up for failure because I'm saying there's no way out. There's no way to win. Mm-hmm. But if I'm saying I'm battling depression, then I'm saying I'm already in this fight. I'm not going to give up. Like I've been through it once. I, I, I can get out of this exactly, place again. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's those who are struggling depression for the first time. My biggest thing is when you get out of it the first time, it makes it easier and easier. It doesn't mean that it's going to go away. Very true. It doesn't mean that it's just going to disappear. But once you have figured out things that trigger it, things that help you get out of those stages and, and people that get you out of those stages, it makes it that much easier because you are preparing yourself. Just like when you go into any, like for sports, if you go into a basketball game, knowing what your opponent can do, mm-hmm. you're setting yourself up for for success mm-hmm. if you do if you're going in blind then you have no idea that's why dame drops 60 on people that's why dame drops 40 50 60 points because because <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i know he's going crazy right oh now my God. Um, so like if we are not setting ourselves up to succeed if we're not going in with a game plan okay when i get in these in these mindsets i'm gonna do this this and this to try to help myself mm. I'm going to call on these people. And here's another thing that comes with depression that I've talked to a mutual friend. I'm not going to say name just because that's their thing. Mm-hmm. Like it, whenever people want to come out about their right, own right, mental yeah. health stuff, that's them. But we talked about when you get in those places that you want to talk to one person mm-hmm. and you reach out to them, reach out to them and they don't answer. It doesn't matter who else comes to talk to you, right? So, like, I can reach out to one specific person yes, that, that I yes. want to talk to. I know! And then you can have your parents, your best friend, or whoever else try to talk to you. It's not going to be it. You don't want to talk you That's not, to that one person. Exactly. Yes. And so, 1,000%. I think for those who don't struggle with depression, praise God. Like, that's yeah, amazing. I'm glad, I'm glad that you don't. Yeah. But for those that in your in your life that may struggle with depression and they're reaching out to you, I think you have to give some type of benefit of the doubt and saying it may be an inconvenience for you in that moment, but you have no idea what it's doing for that person on the other end. Mm. So like, it could be annoying to answer text messages at one in the morning Mm. or a call at one in the morning or go hang out with them when you really don't want to, but it could change everything. Mm. And so 
I don't know. Just the over the last six, seven months, I've been really trying to make sure I know what are my triggers, what are some things that I can get out or help me get out, and just being aware that it's something that I'm going to deal with. Mm-hmm. I, I think if I just stick my head in the sand and say, oh, it's going to go away it's or it's not real, then I'm doing myself a disservice. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing my family a disservice. And and then having your family involved, some people don't have the, the luxury of having to support a family. And I understand that. But find a family. Right, right. Like, it doesn't have to be blood. Right. Like, find a family of people right. that will be there for you and encourage you and that won't look down on you because you're struggling with that. Because you didn't ask for it. Mm-hmm. I didn't wake up one day and say... God, let me be depressed. Right, 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 right. I pray for it every day to go away. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's that much of a thing that you struggle with that I don't want to ever deal with it again in my life. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's going to be something I have to struggle with, but find a family of people mm-hmm. that support you, that love you, that you can be honest with to the point where you feel comfortable, right? Because not everyone wants to talk about their deep, dark secrets. Right, right, it's just, right. it's natural. It's We're natural, humans. Yeah. And so that's where I think counseling is huge. Like I've got to talk about some things that I didn't realize hurt me mm-hmm. back in junior high mm-hmm. that have a still effect on me today. That affect relationships now because yep. of back what then. What happened back then? Exactly. Yep. Over over ten years ago. Yep. Yep. It, you don't know because it it's it feels so normal. It's just like we're a we're flesh. Mm-hmm. Like whatever we it, we just feel like it's there. Like once it happens, we feel like it's just there. Yeah. So, I mean, it like, but like you were saying, like, um, finding that family or find, finding um, people to really get, be comfortable with and talk to, um, it, it's, I think you hit the nail on the head because I think that's, that is, it, it, it just takes that. Yeah. It just takes me wanting to talk to someone who understands me. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, well, what do you like? How do how how do you as a friend, even when you're feeling like down and out, yeah. you're not having the best day, how do you as a as a friend or as a brother or as a son, make sure that the people you love around you are good? Like, how do you check in and make sure people are okay? Yeah. So, really, I don't have a ton of people in my life right now that go through the same struggles I do, mm-hmm. which. I think it's good and bad at the same time. I think right now I'm at a stage where I could probably be beneficial, but not to the point where they need, mm. like if, if I'm trying to help someone who was in my spot eight months ago, mm-hmm. it's not going to be very good because I'm still You're not, still yeah. I'm still working through stuff. Um, but I always try to make sure, like if someone is reaching out to me, mm-hmm. I try to make sure that. I give them my attention in that moment, right? Right, because I don't, I don't know what they're going through. Right, I don't know if it's like I am texting you or calling you for a cry for help, mm-hmm. or do they just want to talk? Mm-hmm. And so, re- regardless of what the motivation may be, I try to make sure that I respond to anybody and everybody. Mm-hmm. And so, like my family would joke around because, like, we have group chats with our families and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and I'm usually like the fastest to respond. Yeah, yeah. They're like your phone is always connected to you. And that's just because I want to make sure that I'm available. Mm. I just want to make sure that if someone is, if I'm their outlet, then I'm going to be there. Mm. I don't want to be the reason why someone is in a deep depression. Mm. Or 
maybe not the reason, but not be that person that can help to them help. get out, yeah. help them get out of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but then like on the side of like, you have people in your life who are struggling with depression as well, but also your family who doesn't understand depression, mm-hmm. the idea that you have to always be perfect around them, mm. you need to throw that out the window. Mm. Right. Cause there's days like that. I'm clearly something's not right. Mm-hmm. And my family will notice. Mm-hmm. And all I have to say to them is like, I'm not okay, but I'm okay. Right, right. In the right. sense of like, something's not right. Everyone knows what that means. Yeah, you know what that means. I'm all right, but I'm not all right. Right? So like, I'm not to the point where I was, yeah. but something's just off mm-hmm. for the day. And it could be multiple days. But I think this idea that we have to make sure our families know that we're 100% okay all the time mm-hmm. because we're battling depression or suicidal thoughts is is not good. Like it's just building more and more pressure that we have to be perfect. And if we've gotten to the point where we've talked to our families about that type of stuff, then we should be okay to say, you know what? Today, I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to go to work. I just want to sit at home. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you, do you think it's appropriate to have just those days where you kind of just like kind of just have to sit in your depression and just like. Maybe just get it out. I think it depends on how deep it is. Mm. Mm. Like for me, I know when it's deep. Right, right. And I know when it's not. So for me, I can say, okay, today I can sit around and watch The Office or mm. play video games and just mm. be by myself. Mm. But then there's days like, dude, get out, go do something, be around people. Do not isolate yourself because you're not in a mental state to do it. Mm. And so I think it depends on each person. I do think there's some days you have to allow yourself to just do nothing mm-hmm. because our brains are always working. Like my brain is constantly just trying to be creative. Like right. I want to yep. do creative things yep. or like I'm worried about work or worrying yep. about family or yep. anything else in this world. And so we have to allow ourselves to have a day of doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And so even if that's a day where we're feeling a little depressed, mm-hmm. you have to be the judge of, okay. I'm How a, am I going to spend this day, though? Like, exactly. Am I like, going to spend it out and lollygag and do something that's going to like help me out a little bit? Or can I just like be by myself? Exactly. And that, that truly depends on each person. They have to figure that out for themselves. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I know exactly what days I'm good to just sit around and do nothing. Right. And there's I know when the days are, dude, get out of your environment, go somewhere else. Right. And so there's there's been times where like I literally leave arlington or, or mm-hmm. like i'm in stevenville right now but like i'll leave and go somewhere else because i gotta get out of there for the day mm-hmm. i gotta go do something else i gotta be around people i cannot be by myself exactly because you are allowing yourself to get back in those spots exactly. and i've i have vowed to never get back to where i'm typing out a letter to my family mm-hmm. like i just i can't do it i can't put my family through that again nor do i ever want to yeah. like i don't ever want to see the expressions on their face that, that they had when i said I wrote a letter saying goodbye. Like, I don't want to get to that point ever again. And so I know today you're good to chill. Today you are not good to chill. Get out of here. And so it just depends on each person. And as you go through it, and it sounds it sounds bad that we're saying like you have know, to that you I have know. to go through yeah, these things, yeah. but sometimes but you, you you have to experience it in the sense of like you have to mature and so like I mode this is like a weird analogy and, and story, but I, my dad had a lawn business, so I mowed for like summers for multiple years. Mm-hmm. And the first time you mow, like 
doing commercial, like residential lawns, all that kind of stuff, when you're doing 100 in a week type of stuff, your hands are going to get callous. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to mm-hmm. they're going to break and you're going to have blood and, and it's right. just and it's going to be rough. But as you keep mowing, you're like, you're building up yeah. strength in your hands to deal with that. And right. I think it's the same thing. When you first go through depression and suicide, that first time is going to suck. It's going to be bloody, it's going to hurt, it's going to be messy, it's going to be really raw. But as you keep going through it, you're building up calluses in the sense of you can get through it. Through it. And I'm not saying to build it up and just to hide it away. Right. Because right, I, I still think there's some times where you got to cut those things open and get it out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But you also have to build up some endurance strength. and like strength. To, exactly. Right. You have to understand that you can build through this and work through it. Mm-hmm. But if you keep pushing it off and saying like, okay, I went through it one time. I'm never going to go through it again. Like you're just being naive. Exactly. exactly. But you, you should go through it at times. I know it sounds. I'm saying it, it sounds it, really. It, 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 it sounds, sounds like we're just. Uh, just <laughs> but but those who have gone through depression, they understand exactly. Yeah, because I'm 100 with you. They understand exactly what we're saying. Mm-hmm. It's just those who don't. But I'm hoping that those who don't can listen to these conversations and say, makes sense. Damn, I am. I do need to do that. I do need to do this, and I think that's like that's the main thing that I wanted to get out is just like the people who feel like they can't be depressed or that it's crazy to be depressed or uh, or they like they think it's just not normal to, to be depressed yeah. like this 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 is a, not a by yourself thing like uh, everyone goes through this mm-hmm. like if you are dealing with depression you do not have to hide it like and i think that's where everything gets so it gets so tough to get out of because we want to hide it hide it hide it for so long yeah. it's like after a while it just becomes your lifestyle and then I'm, and then you're just like oh it's it's normal like I'm, I'm just feeling this way so let me go turn up real quick and then yeah. i'll be fine and and I, that's scary yeah when you're yeah. trying to find anything to just to numb the pain yeah that's yep. the scariest that's thing the worst, that's because scary. When you're doing that, you're like, okay, I'm chill. I don't need, I don't care if this hurts me or doesn't hurt me because I'm already numb to the pain that I'm feeling internally. I already don't want to feel like this, so let me do anything I can to make me not feel this way. Exactly. And I think that that I was I that was me for a long time. Like now, when I'm depressed, I most of the time I pray, I journal, and I you know I try to talk myself out of it. I go do things. I yeah. go work out, etc. But back in the day, shit, two years ago, a year ago, like, it, it was like, let me go find anything I could. Mm-hmm. And that's where all the neg- I started losing friendships. I started, like, becoming more angry. I started, like, saying things I didn't mean. Yeah. Like, that's when, like, shit starts taking over your body. And then now you're you're lost in who you are. And then you get so far gone and it's like... Yeah, well, where my where my whole life? Why I ain't got my job no more? Why I ain't yeah. got my friends no more? Like, like you don't even realize the damage you've done. Like you said earlier, you don't realize how much you've messed yourself up until like you get to the end of it or until you start getting out of it. Yeah, and you look back and you're like, oh my gosh. There's two spectrum too. Like when people are going through it, they either go like wild mm-hmm. and they're trying to find anything just to like take away the pain, mm-hmm. or you have those who isolate or who isolate yeah and they they don't want anything to do with life or anyone else and i was on that end like see i was i think i was kind of both like that's how that's how messed up i was like i was like if i can't if i can't get out like if it's a monday night and i can't go to the club or get (laughs) out or 
I'm gonna sit my uh, my depressed ass in my bed and just like have the most wildest thoughts. Yeah. And it'd be just so dark and so many demons inside me, and I just wouldn't know how to escape it mm-hmm. except thinking suicidal thoughts. Yeah. And then that's when that comes into play, and then that's when it, it, it's just like it's it's so scary. It's 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 truly scary. To, to be honest, like I didn't do all the wild stuff, but like being isolated by yourself. Mm-hmm. is super scary because your mind begins to think things that yeah. aren't even freaking real That's not even real. like not even the realm of reality <laughs> but your mind thinks that it's 100 percent real so you begin yes. to believe it yes. like there's multiple times i had like yes. panic attacks yes. in my room because i'm thinking something's happening and it's not yes. even close to happening that way like nothing is saying this is going to happen like nothing no. of evidence no. but my mind is 100 yeah. percent believing it so i'm going crazy thinking that's going to happen mm-hmm. and what happens then is that you begin to react like it's going to happen and you push people away because you think those things are going to happen i know it sounded really weird but you you begin to live out false realities Mm -hmm. and you're and you begin to strain relationships Mm -hmm. and that's the hardest thing is when you strain relationships when you're dealing with depression it's so hard to bring them back yes because yes they don't understand how to deal with it right and you don't understand how to turn it off. And it's like, why did you do this just because you were feeling this? Exactly. Like, and, and I think that's, you don't put in a thought that that wasn't me. Like, like that's not who I am. Yeah. That's not who I was called to be. And I think that's like, that's the biggest thing about change and even changing, like when you're changing yourself. It's you're you're realizing who you truly are. It's not even quote unquote becoming a new you. Yeah. It's just realizing who you truly are and your value and your purpose. And when you finally get into that bag, you've have already done so much over here. Mm-hmm. Now you're being looked at all crazy because it's like because it's like well like what was that? Yeah. two three years ago. Well, and then it goes back into the thing where people think you're faking it. Exactly. Because exactly. if, if you're exactly. if you're reaching out or if you're like acting out because you're struggling with it, they think, oh, you allowed your certain situation mm. or circumstance mm. to dictate your depression. Mm. No, I'm depressed. And yeah. And so therefore, happened. I reacted. Yeah. Right. And right. are there things and situations that can trigger? Absolutely, hundred percent. I know mine. Mm-hmm. And so then when I react, I know okay. This is what triggered it, and this is why I reacted this way. And so, but that's where people think that you're just faking stuff because you can literally, like, or they think you're, like, bipolar. Mm-hmm. And that's scary when people think, like, you're bipolar just because you can go from one day being in a depressed state and you're, like, not wanting to talk to people or you're acting out to then being normal. Like, that's literally what happens. Like, when you're battling depression, you go from being your normal self to someone the complete opposite of you mm-hmm. in a in a blink of an eye like it literally it, it changes that quickly and i don't think people understand like we can't just turn it off and turn it on yeah, yeah. like i can't just say today okay i'm not going to struggle with this at all or something's going to happen that's not even like in mm-hmm. in my realm of people mm-hmm. but it can affect me to get me into those states mm-hmm. and it's just really it's, it's difficult cautious of yourself yeah and it's and it's hard because like you're trying to be conscious of other people but also take care of yourself Mm -hmm. and that's really difficult because i don't want to be a burden Mm -hmm. 
and that's like the the thing I struggled with the most at first was like I'm just this giant burden to people because I'm always needing someone mm. because I just when you're early on in those stages like you just want people because right. you want to feel loved you want right. to be embraced right. like I, I've taken these quizzes of like f- the love languages I don't know if you ever heard of them yeah, yeah. but like my two top love languages are words of affirmation mm-hmm. and physical touch mm-hmm. so like when I'm in those those depressed um stages like i just want to be told that i'm doing good at something mm. even if it's like something minuscule as like yep, yep. walking down the street yep, yep you're a great walker exactly like, <laughs> like I'm gonna go walk. you have you have no idea how much that changes somebody yeah yeah it's but like in those true. and so when i'm in those places those two things are huge but they can be a burden right. to certain people because right. You're just wanting to be told that you're good at something. You just right. wanting to feel embraced and, embrace and love. An, an attention whore and yeah. And like, why are you do, like that's and that's the part where that's difficult for me because I don't want to be viewed as that. I don't want to be viewed as oh she just wants attention. Oh she's just saying this because she wants people to react. Yeah, like it's. I don't, I've never been that person that needed that, that needed the attention and the love part. I just wanted to feel better. Like, yeah. I just wanted to be happy. And that, that goes into social media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, when I first started talking about depression and suicidal thoughts, my biggest fear was if I post about this or say this, are people going to interpret it as me just being open and honest? Right. Or that I'm just wanting clicks and likes, likes. and things yes. like that. And that's and that's yes. super hard to We have to as a generation, we have to learn to to stop thinking, jumping the gun and assuming yeah. that every single time because it's people out here that really do utilize social media as a escape and just to get it off their chest. Yeah. And you can't like you can't tell someone or you can't be the judge of someone's feelings. Like, mm-hmm. you just can't... You have to at least listen. Like, I can't I can't tell you... I can't ask you or tell you not to feel that way. Yeah. I can't tell you not to do this or, like... It's, it's just, like, the way that I interpret it... I, I, I always take things how I would want to receive it. Mm-hmm. So when someone, like, comes at me with, uh, you know, their feelings or, you know, they're having a bad day or such and such... I go above and beyond to make sure that everything's okay, make sure that they're good, make sure that I'm talking to them and giving them whatever they need to feel better. Yeah. And when you feel like you don't get that in return, that shit gets you even more depressed. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> that's and that's super like when I'm I'm in the sense where I I give myself to really anybody. Like I'm mm-hmm. very like I'm not trying to brag or sound like boastful or anything like that but i i feel like i could be generous not just like with money and stuff but like with time and like energy like right like if you're if you're someone that is close to me i'm gonna give you everything i have exactly. because that's who i am that's who are, yeah. and so like when you don't receive that in return it makes it really tough to want to keep doing it or you just keep doing it and you get burned out mm-hmm. and so that was stuff i struggled with a lot was like i would give myself so much and wasn't receiving the same things and it made it really hard. But what goes back to like the social media stuff, like if I'm posting, you know, about struggling with depression or whatever that I'm writing about or posting about, 
I always appreciate when I I get a personal message mm. from somebody like because they're then they're taking the time to say, mm. hey, are you good or like what's going on? Or like, is this the motive behind it or is this the motive behind yes. it? Because then they're not yeah. just saying, assuming, and put me on blast like in my comments saying, oh, this is for show or fake. Mm. They're taking the time to to actually have the conversation, and that's really what most people that are struggling with depression want. Like they yep. just want to have the conversation about that's these it. things. That's it. Like that's I want to be able to talk about where I think the church should do a better job mm-hmm. at talking about depression and suicide. I think I'm, I'm with you on that as far as the church. I feel because I'm, I'm the same way. I feel like there's a lot of things in like the universal church um that goes on that i don't really agree with and that i think can be better and then the perception on the universal church is like not the best yeah. right now so yeah. it's hard to explain like my belief in jesus and my mm-hmm. belief in god because it's like well the church the church does this and the church does that and it's like yeah but that's that's not jesus or god <laughs> yeah but um but yeah i mean i'm, I'm 100 with you on that because it's like if you see it's it's all about like your 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 role models and who you look up to as well. When you see people in power talking about those things and shining light on those things, yeah, it makes you focus more on those. Like if I see my favorite artist or my favorite actress or actor talking about a certain subject, I'm gonna pay attention to it. Yeah. So like I, I I'm a hundred percent with you on that. Like just like I think it could get way better. But, I yeah, I think. But. I think some churches are doing great, like uh, Watermark Church in Dallas, The Porch. They just finished a series. I didn't get to watch any of it because I'm in Stephenville, but and the Wi-Fi is terrible. But they have a whole series dealing with th- this type of stuff. Like it's, I think it's called therapy or something really? like. Yeah, so they, they're dealing with depression, anxiety, all the stuff that normal places we don't really talk about mm-hmm. because we automatically think is that with be scared off. Yeah, or like you can't have those conversations in church. Even though in the Bible there's plenty of characters and people who struggled with these things. Like if you read Psalm, like the book of Psalms, David yeah. is all over the place. Yeah. That dude is uh, David in an, was toe up from the floor. Up, and, and, and some of that was his doing, his decisions that he made and God put him or allowed him to go through these things. But if we don't have the conversations, all we're doing is just saying that this doesn't exist in our realm. Like It doesn't exist in the church and that's not true. That was like my main... One of my main reasons of why like I've been so vocal and honest about my depression while being a youth pastor because I want my church, my old church, to know that you can have these conversations. Right. And and, right. and then prepare yourself because I'm not the first. Mm-hmm. I'm for sure not the first person that's been in y'all's church mm-hmm. that has struggled with it or on staff that struggled with it. But what can you do now mm-hmm. to set yourself... To make sure that this doesn't happen again. Exactly. Or what what can you do to help those in your church? How, what resources can you have? And so that's one of the things I just wish that more Christians and churchgoers would be willing to have those conversations think, because we just don't want to. Exactly. And I think if it, it would help a lot because there's not a lot of outlets where you could go to to really get it out. Yeah. Or there's not a lot of outlets that people think of that they can really get out and talk about their feelings and their depression. But when you make that available, mm-hmm. when you make it a, a light, then people are going to start feeling more comfortable about letting it out and talking about it and being truthful and transparent. 
if you if you make that available, then I feel like it would be a stepping stone mm-hmm. into you know maybe cutting the suicide rate or you know cutting mental depression or mental health or any anything like any of those statistics. Like I feel like it would go down uh, uh, drastically yeah. if they if there were more outlets and if we as people were more available to not only each other but to like. Just being more sensitive mm-hmm. and being more being more open, yeah, to just listening and understanding and not just assuming what people' lives are. Yeah, we've we've as a society become numb mm-hmm. to suicide, and and this is even someone who struggled with suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like last summer, um, a pastor ended up taking his own life. Like, mm. and that's super like that was big for me because that was at like the early stages of my deep depression mm-hmm. and it's someone who's going through mm-hmm. the grind of ministry that I was going mm-hmm. through. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, a couple months later, another person who was very much an advocate for mental health in the church committed suicide. And we don't talk about it. And that's not, and that's just churches that I'm bringing up because that's what I grew up in. That's what I've been in. So that's what's on my mind a lot. But when we talk about suicide, it's like it goes in one ear, not the other. Yes. Like we don't, we don't yes. have the conversations because, like we because should. You don't know. I feel like as a recipient, if someone is telling you, um, telling you that they're having those thoughts, I feel like as a recipient, you don't know what to say. Yeah. For one, you just don't know what to say, and for two, you're kind of thinking like, how did this person get to this level? Yeah. So it's like it's. That like that's where that's where it gets tough. But then as the one speaking on it, like we were saying, it's just like how do you even get that out? Yeah. Here and here's a, a kind of a tip for anyone who has family members or friends who are going through depression and suicidal thoughts. You don't have to have the answers. Mm-hmm. Like when I was like the the best thing for me was just having the embrace of my family. They didn't. Ha- they didn't know the answers. They didn't know how to deal with it. Like they didn't know exactly how to respond. But I was able to call my brother and say, "Hey, I need to come up for a weekend mm-hmm. and go to Oklahoma State and watch Cannon coach." Oh, there you go. Yep. yep. And, and those kinds of things where you don't have to have the answers, but if you're there, that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's something that. People just have to understand, you don't have to know the answers. Like, I don't need you to know the answers. I don't right. need you to have the, right. the remedy or the solution. Right. I just want you there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I think if we as people become more available, mm-hmm. it's going to change so many different people's lives that are going through mm-hmm. those things. And to be honest, like, that's where I've been trying to be more open and honest mm-hmm. and try to be available to, like, people that I had severed ties with because of my own choices or went different ways. Like just trying to get back friendships that were lost because I thought this was how I was supposed to be. And this is how I am now. And, and I just realized like if, if we try to go through life alone, mm-hmm. you're, you're, there's nothing that's good. that's going to happen, mm-hmm. right? There's being alone is not the way that we were designed to be. Like we were designed to be in community. Mm-hmm. So whether that's in a church setting, whether that's in friendships, like, you have to have people that you can go to and that are going to be available for you. Because if not, 
you're just going to fall into it deeper exactly. deeper and deeper and deeper. Exactly, exactly. All the cliche sayings, uh, check all your strong friends, um, you know, check all your loved ones, all those little cliche things that help people that are hurt, do it. Like, yeah. do those things. Like, check on the people you love. Check on, you know, it's it, it, it honestly does help. Like, yeah. I wish people would check on, hi, how you doing? Yeah. It, that's all it takes like and i know we say that as humans all the time like we we like we just don't do it like mm-hmm. we say we say you know just check on your check on your people make sure your people are good but we just don't do it because yeah. we just assume that everything is so perfect or we, we do it for like a week and then we just yeah, go back to the yeah, yeah. to the normal stuff to your normal life. we don't we don't take time to really well a lot of the people i know and my, myself don't take the time to really make sure people are okay. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing, especially right now in this world, is just making sure that the people you love are okay. Yeah. Like, and then that way I feel like you know how to handle someone from that point on. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like even if you're dealing with, it, with with your loved ones, like you said, your family knows when something is off. Yeah. People know when I'm off. Like, you know, like, and when someone is off, you know, help try to... Go and take that extra step just yeah. to see what's going on. But, yeah. Um, thank you so much, Brandon. No, I thank appreciate you, it. Thank you for coming. Um, we definitely got to do this again. Um, shout out to everyone listening. You are not alone. You are not alone. Please, 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 if you are going through depression, mental health, any of that, go see a counselor, go to church, go to therapy, whatever. Use your happy muse to get out of that state but thank you guys for listening like comment subscribe and i'll see you guys next week